Good morning, podcast listeners. Uh, what a beautiful day here in Montana. And welcome to the latest episode of Alps in Brief, the podcast that comes to you from the historic Florence building in beautiful downtown Missoula, Montana. I'm Mark Bassingthwaite, the risk manager here with Alps, and today I am most excited uh, to have as a guest Alan Baris. Alan is quite a guy. Uh, we've had, uh, I should say, I have had the privilege and pleasure to uh, work with him uh, a number of years ago. In fact, Alan, if you recall, we had a, uh, an experience in Las Vegas for work, for work, but uh, we, we had a lot of fun doing some consulting down there. Uh, the topic that Alan and I are going to discuss uh, today is really, uh, in my mind, a very, very important topic. Also one that I wish we didn't have to talk about, but in this day and age, we do. And it's really uh, looking at uh, active shooting situations. Uh, before we get into this, let me tell you a little bit about Alan. Uh, Alan is a former U.S. Army sniper and sniper instructor at the 2nd Inter- Infantry Division Scout Sniper School at Camp Casey, South Korea. A former U.S. Army paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne Division out of Fort Bragg. A fifth degree black belt Hapkido instructor, author and producer of numerous books and DVDs on self defense uh, to include Survive a Shooting Life Saving Tactics and Strategies to Survive Active Shooters and Other Terrorist Attacks. Uh, and I could just go on and on. He's a certified active shooter instructor, uh, has trained more than 4,000 people. And on top of all that, if that's not enough, he's a licensed attorney here in the state of Montana. So, uh, Alan, it is such a pleasure to have you join us. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Mark. And I have fond memories of our trip to Vegas, too, when we we're down there helping a bunch of law firms. Um, be safe in a different kind of uh, yes. environment when we were down there. That's absolutely true. That uh, I, Risk management and best practice, those kinds of things, is a little less uh, emotionally tense, I, uh, perhaps. You know, Alan, I really wanted to talk with you because, you know, as, as you and I, and I'm sure everybody in our listening audience is well aware of, there have been, uh, in recent times, quite a number of uh, uh, mass shooting situations that have made made the news uh, not only nationwide but uh, some of these certainly worldwide. Um, what people don't hear as much is the, the shootings that are smaller scale, perhaps. Um, you know, it's not commonplace, uh, thankfully, but uh, in this day and age, there are occasionally shootings that occur in even small law firms, uh, disgruntled, uh, uh, you know, client or uh, adverse party, you know, can come in at times and, you know, you'll see these occasionally in a divorce situation and it really can be anything. Um, so I, I do think it's, it's worth talking about active shooting uh, scenarios. You know, these small situations, again, they, they don't make the national news, but we certainly, uh, we've had uh, the, an occasional situation like this pop up in, in our own book. And, uh, you know, you read some of these in the journals in terms of you know, ABA journal and some of our uh, sort of industry uh, publications. But Alan, where I want to start, um, are there really things that attorneys can do or, or our staff uh, to survive these kinds of shootings, you know, I mean, if, if I'm sitting in reception or an associate at a law firm or something, I mean, can I realistically do anything? 
Mark, there's a, there are a lot of things we can do, and it's it's interesting that you know you talk about law firms and the active shooters. You know, we have the big active shooter events, and most definitions of active shooter is somebody that's just trying to kill random innocent people yes. with no other crime. But we have a lot more shooting incidents where that could be a gang-affiliated, where people shooting each other for gang-related, drug-related uh-huh. um, issues. Okay. But we also do have a lot of shootings and attacks. Sometimes it could be with a knife or something else that are more directed. And law firms could be a very good target for that. Like you said, you have disgruntled clients, something went south, you know, especially domestic issues right. or you know, something didn't go the way they wanted it to, and the attorney is to blame. And so they're going to come in specifically to attack that person or maybe that person's staff or maybe the entire office because they blame everybody there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and there, are, yeah, there are things we can do to increase uh, the law firm's safety and to decrease the amount of damage you know, a potential person like that could inflict on people. Well, Alan, let's start perhaps uh, with prevention. You know, are, are there steps that we can take in anticipation that something like this might happen? One is recognizing signs. I mean, awareness, and I teach awareness in all of my programs, is number one. And being aware of that potential, you know, former client, current client, employee that maybe is something wrong with that employee, maybe just a former employee because they were fired, um, recognizing some signs that something's not going on right with that person. And those signs could be, you know, a depression, the significant event in the life, which a lot of things involved in law offices are very significant to people's lives. Um, it could be a fascination with weapons or explosives. It, you know, so if you're seeing something that's just not normal with a person, I mean, we're here in Montana. You know, a guy goes and buys a new hunting rifle, big deal. Right. Everybody has firearms up here in Montana. But if there's this weird fascination that's just not normal, and we sort of know what baseline normal is for our environments, Maybe that person needs to be watched a little close. And ideally, we can get people help before something bad happens. Remember the national news a couple years ago with the father that found the daughter's diary and then ended up turning her in. And thankfully, they were able to get that young lady some help before she did what she was writing about in the diary, which was going to kill a lot of people. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I'm here. <laughs> I love it, Alan. And since I'm, I'm already learning all kinds of stuff, I never even stopped to think about. I, I mean, awareness obviously very, very important. But you're identifying potential uh, shooters, uh, people that are going to, you know, c- can go uh, make some very, very wrong decisions that I, I wasn't even thinking about in, in this context. That's that is really good stuff. So awareness becomes, uh, it sounds like a key thing to, to keep uh, in mind from a preventative standpoint. Are there any other kinds of things or is that pretty much the... You know, how you have your facility laid out. I mean, one way in, you know, having controlled access to places um, helps prevent these things. So if there's only one way in or and it's monitored somehow, that's a little bit better than people can come in and go 
right. a lot of different places. Yeah. Having a communication system set up. You know, if somebody comes in the front door that's bad, that's wrong, can that be communicated to people throughout the office? Okay. Having ways to lock down so people can lock down their offices and stay safe in rooms. So um, being prepared with, you know, some people are going to keep firearms in their office. That That is an option. If you do that, I, want, I hope that you have the proper training in, in both safety and use of the weapon that you have. Yeah. I teach fire extinguishers as improvised weapons because they're in almost every building that, you know, any public building, we're going to find fire extinguishers. Reflex Protect is a great non lethal option that people are starting to use. Um, so, because you're, and then knowing where your exits are for you to be able to escape is your basic things that you can do is you can escape, you can barricade and lock that person from getting to you, or you can defend yourself by physically attacking back and stopping that shooter. Okay. Those are your three options if a situation actually happens. So being prepared to do any of those and all of those is a, is what you want in your plan. Yeah. It, it's been interesting uh, with the consulting work over the years. You know, I have gone into law firms that sometimes have key card access or, uh, you know, a, a doorbell and they have to, you know, see on camera before they push a little button to let you in. So uh, there are firms that have taken these kinds of steps already. Um, let's talk about these uh, three options that you've identified, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody uh, that has pulled out a knife, somebody that uh, has come in with a gun and is threatening. Um, so if you will, when the, when the bullets are flying, can we take a little further this discussion about what, what do we do as individuals to try to survive this? And you talk, for instance, about escape uh, versus uh, attacking uh, and trying to defend. I would assume that, I, I guess I'd say, how do you evaluate uh, in these kinds of settings what your best option is? Sure. And in, in the programs I teach, I put those sort of in a triangle okay. with each, you know, escape, deny, and defend the points of the triangle versus sort of the linear run, hide, fight, which is the national program. Mm -hmm. Because it's not all linear. You can't say, well, first I will escape. If I can't escape, I will deny. If I can't deny, then I will defend myself. Okay. You don't always have those options. Say we're in a big meeting room. If I'm in the very back of the room beside a door and someone comes in the opposite end of the room through that door, I could probably escape out this back door. Right. If I'm the person sitting closest to that front door where the person comes in, I don't have that option anymore. And so you're going to immediately go to defending yourself and try to take that guy out. And so that's why it's sort of a triangle. You have to do one of the three but which one you do will be determined by where you're at in location to the threat, what the threat has, um, your environment. So all of those factors are going to come into play of which is going to be the best. Okay. Of course. So now, or what, go ahead. Well, I see. Can, can we kind of talk about each of these um, individually? You know, so you you talk about okay. So my first and best choice, if using the conference room uh, situation is, you know, I, I can uh, try to escape because that's the easiest, fastest thing to do is, as, and safest, at least for me, as I'm hearing you. Does, does escape always mean just kind of find the, the closest uh, 
exit, for lack of a better word, and, and just run, just go for it? I mean, is that... Often that is. I mean, it, you know, getting out of the kill zone. Now, it could be running away. It could be, you know, going out a window and right. going running. It could be dropping down and crawling behind something until you get a place to run. But getting out of the kill zone. Okay. And as far away as possible. I mean, and if you can do that, great. But sometimes that's not an option. You know, you might have, you might be a caretaker of somebody or be with yes. somebody that yeah. can't escape with you or you know so again it, it is a great option if available and do you you know i i, I this whole conference room example and, and thank you for bringing it up it just brings so many kinds of ethical dilemmas in my mind which is you know what we're all about here uh, i'm always writing and trying to talk and lecture on ethics is there what are your thoughts alan about Okay, I, I'm the guy, again, closest to the door, but I'm a senior partner, and I have staff and colleagues and things that are more in between. Um, is, is, is always the best answer for me to try to escape, or is there, do I try to help as many others escape too? You see what I'm trying to get at? I mean, and that, that is going to vary from individual to individual. I know that if I was on a job working security, my reaction would probably be different yeah. than if I was at the mall and a situation happened and I was with my wife and daughter and would be different if I was alone. Yeah. Um, and there are some people that are natural, you know, to use David Grossman's term, sheepdogs, the protectors, they're going to try to help other people uh-huh. and stop threats. Not everyone has that inside them. So I'm not going to fault anybody because they escaped and didn't help others. It's just, you know, it's sort of inside certain people. I think some of us, though, are going to help more, and that's just the nature of us. Um, I I would like everyone to help everyone else, but we know that that's not always going to be the case. Right. Now, Now, if you're... If you're the closest person to the the, the, the threat, whether it's a knife, a, a shooter, whatever, you're probably the option is you're going to be the one that has to fight. If yeah. not, you're probably going to die. I mean, and sad as it is, I can't give you strategies to keep everyone alive. In these situations, people will get hurt and people will die, but we can reduce the number of people yes. that are killed. Well, let's talk about that then. And I, I'm, I think I'm pretty confident in saying, you know, it's the other two uh, angles of your or corners of your triangle here. So, um, escape um, may or may not be an option. One or two get out, you know. But this other corner is deny. So even if I, you know, I think school shootings are a great example, perhaps where you know a teacher could deny. Uh, access in some fashion, which is where I think we're, we're going here, to try to protect, you know, the 30 students in a room or his room. Uh, so can we explore what does deny mean and, and, and how, particularly in the context of a small business like a law office, uh, what, what are your thoughts about how do we do that? You know, it can be as simple as locking a door and keeping that person out through a good solid locked door. It can be barricading it can be getting behind some type of cover, cover being something that will stop bullets, 
where concealment might hide you but doesn't stop bullets. So something that will deny that person ability to hurt you. Now with a knife-wielding subject, picking up a chair and holding that chair between you and that person so he can't get close enough to cut you is a way to deny him access from hurting you. So different weapons, different threats, there are different ways to deny that, that threat from hurting you. That's a great, you know, again, I'm always learning something from you, Alan. I, I never even would have thought, hey, let's just pick up a chair. What, what a great example. Okay, I like that. Um, you know, I, when I think about bad actors, um, you know, I always have in my mind that these people are um, experienced and understand how to use a weapon. And, and that, that may or may not be true, but... I look at somebody like myself and I'll say honestly, you know, I, I've had one opportunity in my life where I've gone to a, uh, you know, a shooting range and had somebody uh, share a little, uh, give me a little experience in, in how to fire a handgun and just, you know, so I've done that for probably 45 minutes in my whole life. Trust me, I am not trained, as, you know, obviously, to handle weapons. Um, so it seems to me that... I would be, for lack of a better description, out of my league. Out, I, 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 I don't know how to respond. Does that mean that I really should never try to attack? Does it mean I'm completely <laughs> screwed, for lack of a you know? That, um, what, what can I do? I'm untrained, and I'm against somebody that that <coughs> may or may not have real skill sets with the weapons they they have brought to the table here. So, um, is there something an average person? like myself could do if I'm forced into uh, no other option? There, there are a couple things. And one of the things, empty-handed, that I teach, I don't teach anybody to go straight on against a shooter or a knife wielder and take the gun or take the knife away from the person. That's not realistic. However, from the sides or behind, you can, and, and, and a lot of times what I teach is if you have a group, the yeah. first guy grabs the arm, or and the, the whole and the weapon, and just forces it to the ground while the the couple people behind tackle the guy, and you just sort of swarm and jump on top of him and pound on him until you have the gun or the knife or whatever away from him, okay. and and that has been successful. People have done that and stopped people. Um, the, but we also one of the reasons that's why I joined Reflex Protect is that gives a non-lethal response because you can spray the guy in the face from 10, 15, 20 feet away, and that stuff gets in the eyes, it starts burning, it's going to stop the threat. And if you can spray a Windex bottle you know, or whatever, wasp spray kind of thing, you can spray Reflex Protect. It's so easy, and it, it gives you a non-lethal option as well for untrained people. Okay. And I also like your earlier comment of just the uh, the fire extinguisher. Never would have thought of that either. That's a good fire. One. Fire extinguishers are good, and all of these I like to teach where you're going to ambush the bad guy at a doorway or at a corner, coming okay. from the side, coming from the rear, um, rather than you know a head-on, straight-on, you know, to a person that's armed. Okay, that's uh, you know. So this. Situation plays out in whatever way it plays out, and I'm going to assume that uh, we have uh, uh, you know, somebody, if not more, that's wounded and/or uh, has been killed. Um, 
What happens next? The attack is is over. The the attacker has run. The attacker's been uh, mobbed and is on the ground. We've got the gun. You know, how how, how do, what's next? Couple things. One, it's important that everyone has some basic first aid tra- um, training. Uh-huh. And there's new programs called Stop the Bleed. It's a national program. You know, we have instructors here in Missoula. Um, actually, I'm going to be certified instructor here pretty soon with Stop the Bleed, just to in- increase oh. my knowledge. Yes. But And then having some supplies on hand. You know, having a medical kit that also has tourniquets, pressure bandages that could stop severe bleeding. That's a good thing to have in your car and, and have individually too, not just for shooters or people with knives, car accidents, anything that's massive hemorrhaging. It's You can save a life if you can stop that bleeding. Okay. So having tourniquets, pressure bandages, things available, and people that know how to use them can save lives. Is, is that the most important thing that you can do then to, to save somebody who's been shot or injured? Is, is that what you're getting to? Usually, yes. Now, if it's a chest, you're going to need a chest seal. You know, if it, it punctured a lung, you know, that sucking chest wound. Oh, yeah. So that would be good to have in your kit as well. But from bullets, if it's in the limbs, it's probably, you know, you're going to die of hemorrhaging if you don't stop the bleeding. In the chest, if it's a sucking chest wound, you're going to need that. Elsewhere in the torso, you know, stuffing the wound, wrapping it, controlling the bleeding until the professionals get there. Okay. Because if they're not dead already, if they're alive, it's the loss of blood that's most likely to kill yeah. them. So stopping bleeding, treating for shock until the professionals take over gives you the best options of saving lives. I, you know, obviously, the, uh, the professionals are going to show up uh, in, in terms of uh, emergency personnel and, and uh, the police. Uh, is there anything that we need to know in terms of you know, what do we do or not do? With, I'm particularly thinking about police you know, in terms of interacting with them. Uh, any thoughts about that? Make sure, you know, it's going to be chaotic for you. It's going to be chaotic for them. So make sure you are not mistaken for a threat. If you oh. do have a firearm, it should be put away or put down and not in your hands, whether that's your own or one you took away from the bad guy. You want to be able to show open hands when the law enforcement shows up so they don't mistake you. And that, you know, you know, I'll say this about Reflex Protect, too, because it looks, it, and it fires, you know, has a head on it that's like a firearm, sort of a trigger mechanism. I want to put that down, too, because law officers, they don't know what's in your hands unless they're empty, and that's what they want to see. Okay. Listen to them. Do what you're told. They may treat everyone as a bad guy until they know for sure. That's, you know, don't get offended. Just that's part of their job. Just Listen to them, do what you're told until the situation's over. Okay. You know, and I, I should have brought this up a little bit earlier, talking about reflex protect here. And just for our listeners, um, you know, out of Montana anyway, with a, you know, we're in bear country here and, and do a lot of hiking. And, you know, you may be aware of what we call bear spray. And people over the years, you know, carry these cans of bear spray out in the wilderness. And it, it's sort of a wide field pepper spray and can be very, very effective. But what, what you're talking about, Alan, if I understand it correctly, is we, we've kind of taken Taken this technology or this approach up a step, and, and this is a, a a stream that you can sort of target specific areas. You know, the, the center of the face, as an example, uh, and uh, it's a, it's a gel-like product. But what we are what we're talking about is a non-lethal chemical um, uh, device here that just 
tries to stop a person from attacking you. Am I describing it accurately? Exactly. You know, it shoots out in a stream like wasp spray, and yeah. the benefit is it's not pepper spray, which contaminates the entire room. And every right. if you've ever been in a room where where they shoot pepper spray, or even outside with bear spray, you know everybody in the area is gagging and coughing. Um, this uses a CS based gel. It's Presidia gel with the active ingredient of CS. It only affects the bad guy and nobody else in the room will be affected or contaminated, which makes it safe to be used inside of a hospital, inside of a school, inside of a church, inside of a law office, anywhere inside. It's not going to have that effect that pepper spray has. Right. And just an aside, a number of years ago when our kids were a lot smaller, one of my boys uh, found a can of pepper spray and it was just, uh, we had friends uh, over for for dinner and their kids and they're all playing around and he just later on looked like, Daddy, it just, the voice in my head said, push the trigger and see what happens. And he had a can of pepper spray in our family room. So I, I, I have firsthand experience with that, and it does impact everybody. And cleaning that up, ooh, what a mess. Well, listen, Alan, it, it really has been a pleasure. Uh, just some great stuff that, that you've shared. And, and I hope that uh, we have some listeners here that really – Take it to heart. I mean, it seems to me there are things we can do. And, and I love just even being aware of what's going on uh, and, and having the courage to, to try to find appropriate help if, if necessary. But uh, before we go, I do want to give you a chance uh, to, to share any closing thoughts. Uh, you know, the, the floor is yours. Certainly. And I, you know, the most important thing is I want people to be aware and be safe. You know, I wrote in my book that, you know, it's the most important book I wish you didn't need to read. And I wish I didn't have to talk about this. But we saw just a little over a week ago, you know, 12 people killed again. You know, another shooting where, you know, 12 innocent people killed. So it is important to not be paranoid, but to have a plan to practice safe habits so you can enjoy life safely, both at work, at home, and wherever else you are. Okay. Um, if you want more information, you know, my book has been called one of the best in the on the topic. It's over 350 pages of solid information to help you. And, and that's at surviveashooting.com or amazon.com. And if you want a non-lethal way to defend yourself in, in your office or your home, reflexprotect.com. And you can learn a lot more about that product. Perfect. Thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, for those of you listening, I hope you found uh, something of value today. Boy, I tell you, I sure did. Just great stuff. I, I again, I uh, appreciate your listening. And if you have any thoughts, ideas, interests in terms of topics or other folks you'd like to hear from, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You may uh, email me at m bass at alpsnet.com. So that's it. Alan, thank you again. Folks, have a good day. Bye-bye.